Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins. Thank you for tuning in to today's edition of Foulball Area. Joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Trey Lyle. And man, it's been a while. Trey, how are you doing? I'm good, you know, big like moving out to Lynchburg, Virginia, you know, enjoying life, new job. So it's uh, been a big adjustment and uh, finally settled in and glad to be back recording a podcast. Yeah, it feels good to be back talking about some baseball again. I don't know what happened that got in the way of us getting a, an episode out over the past couple of weeks, but we are back talking about some baseball, some offseason news going on. But first, if you haven't seen it already, our new series, Baseball Across the Commonwealth, came out this past Monday. Our episodes on Richmond and Charlottesville debuted on Monday. We look at those two cities and what they have to offer in terms of local baseball, local attractions, and of course, local breweries. Make sure to check that out if you haven't already at foulballarea.com slash podcast. The next episode will be out next Monday focusing on my hometown of Harrisonburg. And then after that, we'll just work our way down Interstate 81 through the Shenandoah Valley down to the very southern part of Virginia, and then we'll be working our way around the rest of the state. I'm very excited for it. I think it's fun, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, with that said, Trey, what is your favorite baseball town that you've been to in the state of Virginia? I want to say Richmond because that's where (laughs) I I grew up. It's an easy um, one. Yeah, uh, obviously with the Diamond, I have both been there as a fan and worked there, so uh, I'll go with uh, Richmond. Richmond is a good one, uh, and I've obviously spent the past couple of months living here, and I have been to a few games at the Diamond. I've been to a lot of the local breweries. It's a very good city. I'm obviously partial to Harrisonburg as that's my hometown. But, you know, I mean, you can throw in Pulaski in there. You can throw Salem in there. Any of these little towns that have a minor league team, you can throw those in there. I'm going to say Pulaski just because of the, the ballpark that they have there, even though it's a rookie league team the ballpark is just an amazing stadium and you won't find anything else like that in that league or anywhere else in really in the state of Virginia it's a beautiful beautiful stadium all right so with that out of the way we're going to move on to our off-season news the biggest news so far just came out the other day the Braves have signed free agent pitcher Charlie Morton to a one-year 15 million dollar deal Morton spent the last two seasons with the Tampa Bay Rays made it to the World Series last year with Tampa Bay, and then they declined his option for the 2021 season. The deal that he signed with the Braves is basically the same deal that he would have gotten if the Rays had accepted his option for the 21 season. One year, $15 million. He's a bit older. He's about 37 years old, so obviously they don't want to invest too much into him at this point in his career, but the veteran leadership that he brings, the experience that he has, and He's a rare pitcher in that he has really developed and become a lot better late in his career. I mean, he wasn't ever an all-star until the 2018 season. And then back-to-back years, 2018 and 2019, he made it to the all-star team. And he had a a good year last year. And he's great in the postseason. It's really 
rare to see a pitcher develop and be this good this late in his career. And so I think that it's a very good move for the Braves. Like I said, he is 37 years old. You don't want to invest too much into him. But to bring him in for one year, great move by Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And when this went all went down, I think it was something we said the Braves should look into doing. Uh, is signing Charlie Morton as kind of a, a short-term option in a rotation that needs another arm to compete with the Dodgers. And with rumors surrounding what the Dodgers might do in terms of bolstering their lineup, pitching is going to be a key. And, and that's what basically killed the Braves with starting pitching last season and maybe didn't give them over that final hump to the World Series. And so this was a big addition for a team that needed a starting pitcher. Yeah, the starting pitching really was lacking, especially in the postseason. And it didn't help that, you know, their ace, their their big starting pitcher going into the season, Mike Soroka, only made it, what, three or four starts before he injured his Achilles and had to miss the rest of the season. So if they had had him, things would have been a little different. But he was injured. And then some of their other starters they had going to the season, like Mike Fultonevich, uh, Sean Newcomb, they ended up not pitching as well and got sent down to the alternate site. So a, a lot of the guys that they had going into the season ended up not staying on the major league roster very long or getting injured. And so that really hurt them. And especially in the postseason, when pitching is key, they didn't have the starting pitching that they needed to beat the Dodgers in the NLCS and advance to the World Series. So bringing in a, a veteran arm like Charlie Morton, who, by the way, won the 2017 World Series with the Astros and then made it to the World Series this year with the Tampa Bay Rays, I think is going to be huge for the Braves. I think that he has winning experience. And he, he I mean, you, he's the guy you want on the mound in a winner-take-all postseason game because I don't know that he's ever lost one of those games. Or if he has, he still has a very good record in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looked really good this postseason, and I think it was a, a good signing for both sides. Another guy that the Braves have brought in, they are really trying to bolster their rotation. They brought in Drew Smiley, also on a one-year deal, $11 million, another veteran arm. He doesn't have the eye-popping stats that you want to get excited about when your team signs a free agent, but you know, another veteran arm and this Braves rotation who was just really, really lacking last year. They need any kind of strong, solid pitcher that they can get. So I like the Drew Smiley move. And then you bring in Charlie Morton, going to have Mike Soroka back and Max Freed and Bryce Wilson has pitched well for the Braves at times. Kyle Wright could end up being a good starter. So I think the Braves rotation is pretty solid going into the 2021 season. Now the big question for the Braves is will they bring back Marcelo Zuna? I'm still hoping they get it done. I see rumors tying him to the Mets or other teams around Major League Baseball. I'm still hoping the Braves are able to get that one done and bring Marcelo Zuna back to Atlanta for 2021. Let's talk about a little bit of the other free agents around Major League Baseball. What, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen this offseason, Trey? Like, we really haven't had any big moves yet this season, except for Charlie Morton. He's the biggest move that we've seen. But there's still, you know, the big four free agents, JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMayhew, George Springer from the Astros. So those those four are still all on the table. What do you think is going to happen with any of them? I think you're going to see a lot more short-term deals just because of the way the financial situation is right now with um, maybe no fans at the beginning part of the 2021 season. Um, it's always slow when it comes to baseball free agency. I mean, 
both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado didn't get signed until spring training, it felt like. So I wouldn't be shocked if it takes that long again. So this is always a long process, so it's going to always take forever. It is. It is always a long process. It's, it's uh, kind of annoying how long it takes. You know, I, I, I kind of want things to get underway. I wish it was at, like, NBA free agency where as soon as free agency starts, all the deals are signed, all the people know where they're going, all the teams are set for the next season. But, alas, MLB free agency is not that exciting. So we have to wait and see what's going to happen. Of course, those big four free agents that I named, LeMahieu, Springer, Realmuto, and Bauer, are all still on the table. A lot of rumors. You know, Some people think the Mets are going to end up with all four of them because they have their rich owner now, Steve Cohen, who is really trying to make them a good team, unlike their last owners, the Wilpons. I don't think they're going to end up with all four, but I could see them ending up with one or two of those names, especially DJ LeMahieu. He's the one that I've seen linked to them the most, and I know that wouldn't make you too happy because you probably want him to come back to the Yankees. Yeah, the problem is the Yankees are linked to Francisco Lindor a lot, so I could see the Yankees basically picking Francisco Lindor over DJ LeMahieu, uh, which not would not would surprise me because basically they would move Glaber back to second, and Luke Boyd's proven he he's their everyday first baseman. So... Um, We'll see what happens. I think the Yankees need to bring back DJ LeMahieu. He was the best player on the team for the last two years. And so uh, we'll see what happens. I have seen some rumors linking Francisco Lindor to the Mets. Uh, Marcus Stroman was out on Twitter the other day saying that he really wants Francisco Lindor to come to the Mets. He wants the Mets to trade for Lindor. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know why. We could go on and on about this whole Lindor situation. I think situation. with the new... With the new ownership, everyone's going to be linked to the Mets, so you kind of have to calm it down. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But, I mean, we could just go on about this Lindor situation. I really think that the Indians are just making a huge mistake trying to get rid of him, trying to trade him. Just pay up, sign him for a long-term deal, and keep him as your centerpiece in Cleveland. Like, you see what the Red Sox did trading Mookie Betts, and then he goes to the Dodgers and wins a World Series in his first year and is the runner-up for MVP. Like, trading a generational player like this is not a good idea, and it's going to get a lot of backlash from your fan base and from Major League Baseball overall. I just don't understand. I don't know. I don't know Cleveland's financial situation. I mean, this has been a rough year for teams all over MLB, so maybe they really can't afford, but I find it hard to believe that any team... They're all owned by billionaires. They're all billionaires. I find it hard to believe that they can't find the money to pay a player like Francisco Lindor and keep him in Cleveland for the foreseeable future. I mean, he is a generational talent. He's the greatest shortstop in the league, one of the most dynamic players overall in the league. I don't know why they can't find the money anywhere to sign him. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it is baffling to me. So that's what's going on on the hot stove Right now, Charlie Morton signs a one-year, $15 million deal with the Braves. The big four free agents are still on the market, and Francisco Lindor is being shopped around MLB. The Indians trying to find the best trade deal for Lindor. Also a report that the Houston Astros are interested in trading Carlos Correa, so we'll be watching that, seeing if he ends up getting traded away from Houston. That would be pretty big because Correa and George Springer are two big pieces of of the Astros winning formula down there in Houston. So if they got rid of both of them in the same offseason, that would be huge. And it'd be interesting to see where the Astros go 
heading forward in the next couple of seasons, they might be done. Their their winning ways might be done if they end up losing those two players. We will have to watch that pretty closely and see what happens to the Astros next season. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked by that um, because uh, I'd figure Jose Altuve might be the player they get traded because of his struggles this past year. Um, but it's interesting to see, obviously, Bregman's already at, uh, got a big deal. Um, and then, obviously, another team to look at is the Cubs. They have, you know, Anthony Rizzo in the final year of his contract and then three players nearing the end of arbitration and, and Brian um, Javi, uh, in Baez and in Kyle Schwarber. So Theo Epstein obviously left, and so new GM in or a guy got promoted basically to president of baseball operations. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Cubs do. Uh, do they – it looks like they're going to trade at least two of those players, Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I think it will be a, uh, an interesting offseason once it really gets rolling. Uh, of course, we've been saying that since the world series ended but i think once it starts happening it's gonna you know the moves are just gonna keep coming and it's gonna be fun to watch moving on to our next topic another thing that's happened since our last episode that we put out the 2021 baseball hall of fame ballot was released let's go over this ballot and see who we would put into the hall of fame if we had votes the uh the players on the ballot this year there's 25 i'm not going to list all of them but some of the notable names, the returners, are Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Manny Ramirez, Andrew Jones, Sammy Sosa. The first-timers on the ballot, Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, Torrey Hunter, Dan Heron, Barry Zito, Shane Victorino, A.J. Burnett, Nick Swisher, and a few others that are not as notable and probably don't have any real shot of making it in the Hall of Fame. Who on there stands out to you that you think has just got to be a lock for the Hall of Fame this year? Obviously, you know, the obvious are, are Schilling, Clements, Bonds. We'll see what they do. Uh, maybe those are the three best players on there. There's obviously Gary Sheffield would always be – I think Andy Pettit deserves more consideration. Uh, but I think every time this comes up, you got to focus on Bonds and if he's going to do it. He's at that 60%. You need 75%. He's getting relatively closer but he's running out of time. But uh, in my guess, my guess is he'll, he'll make a jump this year, but I don't know if he'll get it. You know, I believe Barry Bond should be in the hall of fame because it's basically saying you're not putting one of the best players of all time in there, despite the steroids. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Schilling gets in at 70% from last year. Uh, that gets bumped up, and then um, we'll see who the rest are. But I think Kurt Schilling would probably be the one that's going to get it in. Yeah, I think Kurt Schilling definitely has to has to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you just look at his career stats. Uh, 216 wins, 346 ERA. I mean, he has 3,000 career strikeouts. He's a World Series champion. I think he, like there's no way you can keep him out. And I think the thing that has been keeping him out is his politics and his outspokenness on certain social issues that seem to conflict with what a lot of people think. And I, I don't think that that's a reason to keep someone out of the Hall of Fame. To me, you look at what they did on the field. 
And what Kurt Schilling did on the field is he was one of the best pitchers of all time, a three-time World Series champion, World Series MVP in 2001 with the Diamondbacks. You look at the stats, you look at the accolades, I don't think that you can keep him out of the Hall of Fame just because of his politics and his controversial views. I think that he deserves to be in based on what he did on the mound. Another guy that I really think should be in, he's on his sixth year on the ballot, Billy Wagner, a closer, former closer for a couple of different teams around Major League Baseball, a career 231 ERA, 422 saves. I mean, I think that's that's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. I know relief pitchers and closers don't get that much consideration for the Hall of Fame, but there are certain guys like Trevor Hoffman, like Mariano Rivera, and obviously Wagner is not at their level, but 422 career saves. I mean, that you got to you got to consider him and in my opinion if I had a vote it would go to Wagner and he would be in the Hall of Fame this season and I know our good friend Brady Hess would really support that as well yeah I completely uh, agree with you I think um you know Andrew Jones is there I think he deserves more consideration Andy Pettit's there I don't know if he'll get it because of again the steroid issue and that's a whole nother subject to breach is how do you judge these steroid players um there's a couple on there that I think will will get some more consideration as it goes on. Like, I think Gary Sheffield deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Willie, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, 500 home runs, it, it's tough to... If you have someone who hit 500 home runs and there wasn't really any suspicion of PEDs or steroids, then I think, how can you keep them out of the Hall of Fame? And he has 500 career home runs. I don't think he was ever linked to steroids, so... I don't, I don't know what's keeping Gary Sheffield out of the Hall of Fame, but he should be in there. As far as the first-timers on the ballot go for me this year, Mark Beerley, I think, is the one that really stands out. I mean, he has a no-hitter and a perfect game to his name. He was a five-time All-Star and a World Series champion. I think that he's pretty deserving. You know, If you have a, a no-hitter and a perfect game, yeah, you're in, you're in the Hall of Fame. Like Those are two really impressive accomplishments. And yeah, they're each only one game, but still, yeah. I mean, he was he was a good pitcher, five-time All-Star. I think Beerley should end up in the Hall of Fame. And then maybe this one, I'm a I'm a big maybe on this one, but I really want to put him in. Tory Hunter, his first time on the ballot. He was a great player in his prime. He was really fun to watch. He has a career 277 average, 331 on base percentage, and a 461 slugging percentage. 353 home runs. 1,391 RBIs. So not all of the stats really are up there, but he was he was really fun to watch, and he was a big star in his prime. I think great that, defense, yeah, defensive player, yeah, great center fielder for the for obviously the Twins. So uh, I could see it as well. I think Torrey Hunter, if he doesn't get in on the first time, will will get in through this process. Yeah, it is only his first year on the ballot. They have ten years. Or if they ever receive below 5% of the vote, they will drop off. So I, I feel pretty confident that he'll get more than 5% and at least stay on to next season. And we'll see what happens next year if he doesn't make it in this season. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting vote to watch. I personally don't think that Bonds or Clemens or Sosa or Manny Ramirez or any of the, the players linked to steroids, I don't think that any of them will get in this year. Um, and then... Bonds I don't so, I don't I don't think they will either. But I think they should. Like I've I've said that for a while. Like, the fact that Barry Bonds like 
two of the greatest player, two of the five best players, at least two of the five best hitters of all time are not going to be in the Hall of Fame is just ludicrous to me. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a whole another conversation. Um, I don't think they should be in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think they will get in this year. And then Bonds and Clemens will each only have one year left of eligibility, as well as Sammy Sosa next year on the ballot will be their last year if they don't get in. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they'll end up getting in, but you never know. They have been trending upwards in recent years, so we will see. We will see. All right, that brings us to our last topic of the day. Today is Wednesday, November 25th, Thanksgiving Eve. Tomorrow is the big holiday. Trey, you got any big plans going home, staying in Lynchburg? What are you doing? I'm heading home, spending time with just my immediate family. So, you know, trying to keep it as low-key as possible, but uh, spending some time with, you know, my immediate family. What is yours? That's our plan, too. Mariah and I are heading up to Harrisonburg, just going to be us and my parents for the holiday. We're heading up there later this afternoon, so it should still be fun. I think we'll have a good time. Um, We don't have a whole turkey. We have a turkey breast, and I think my dad is planning on smoking it, so looking forward to that. The the first time I ever had smoked turkey was actually last Thanksgiving at Mariah's family, and it was very good, so I'm looking forward to a smoked turkey breast again this year. But let's talk a little bit about all of the Thanksgiving foods and do some power rankings of the Thanksgiving foods that you traditionally have at a regular Thanksgiving dinner. Let's do uh, top five because I think that we can do that. I think that's realistic. There are plenty of sides and main dishes. What's your number five? Hey, I'm going to hit it with a, a little. So, like, obviously, pumpkin pie is typically there, but we have chocolate crest pie, just basically like chocolate pie from Williams Bakery, so I'll put that as my number five. All right, that's a good one, yeah. You know, I'm just going to go with uh, the rolls. I love, like, there's always some kind of good roll at Thanksgiving dinner, and I love, you know, I, I love bread. I'm just, I do. I don't know how else like to Oprah. say that. like <laughs> Oprah. What? You've never seen those uh, commercials for Weight Watchers? She's like, she goes, I love bread. <laughs> no, I haven't. So, <laughs> Well, so, I, do. Right. I do. My number four is bread. So I love me a good roll too. So give, right. me, give me rolls and number four. All right. Well, then our number four and five are just switched because I'm going to put the pie at number four. But I'm going to say pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is one of my favorite things, one of my favorite dishes of all time. I like, do like pumpkin pie. It's just chocolate crest pie is like the best. But also, I will say this as an alternate to pumpkin pie, a pumpkin roll with the cream cheese filling. That's so good. So some kind of pumpkin dessert at number four. Number three, uh, for me personally, I'm gonna go with, you know, starting to go with a side. I I never list turkey on here, but uh, we always have uh, ham at it at our Thanksgiving dinners too. It's like turkey and ham, and I love ham, like the big ham, honey hams. So give me ham at number three. What's yours? I think I'm going to go with the meat also for number three, but I'm going to say the turkey. Uh, a lot of people, they criticize Thanksgiving turkey. They say it's dry or it's just not very good. It's bland. But if you have a dry, bland turkey, then you're just not doing it right. Turkey is very good. And you smother it with some yeah, gravy. you got to cook it right. Yeah, cook it right. Put some gravy on it. Man, turkey, so good. I wish we had it 
you know, l- the way that we have it at Thanksgiving more than just Thanksgiving and Christmas. Typically, but, my dad smokes our turkeys for Thanksgiving, and it's always muy bueno. Never tried a deep-fried turkey. I would like to try that sometime. By the way, number Wawa has a sandwich called the Gobbler with turkey, gravy, stuffing, and cranberry sauce on it. I would highly recommend it? it. Yeah, it's very good. Hmm, interesting. So number two, there's no Wawa. It's near where I live, so there's Sheets. I love Sheets. Yeah, I've never had a Wawa sheets near over me Wawa. until I moved here. I prefer Sheets over Wawa. So number two on our list for me. So like these these top two are like head and shoulders. Like they're two of my favorite foods in general. Stuffing. I love stuffing. Like any meal, I can include stuffing on and just crush it. So number two is stuffing. All right. I like it. I like it. Number two for me is the green bean casserole, partially because it's, it's the dish that I always make because it's one of the easiest ones to make, but it's also very good. I love it. I love the, the cream of mushroom soup, the crispy fried onions on top. So good. All right. Number one, the number one pick for me, it's, uh, it's mac and cheese. Like some people don't have mac and cheese at their Thanksgiving dinner. I've had it at it and i love mac and cheese so give me mac and cheese i gotta tell you i'm jealous we never have mac and cheese at our thanksgiving dinner and i always tell my mom i'm like we gotta have mac and cheese but her reasoning is that mac and cheese is just such a a common food item that you can have it like any time of the year that you don't want to have it on thanksgiving thanksgiving is for like special foods that you don't eat other times but sometimes had it sometimes not depends on the year i wish we had it i love mac and cheese i love it my number one is the stuffing. I'm like you. I love stuffing. It's a great food. You know, you just get all that bread and vegetables and seasonings mixed in there. You can put it, mix it with the turkey, mix it with the mashed potatoes, put some gravy on it. There's so many things you can do with stuffing. It's such a versatile side. I love it. Number one, stuffing for me. All right, those are our Thanksgiving food power rankings. If you are listening, leave a comment on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are. Let us know what your top Thanksgiving foods are. And we hope that you all have a fun, happy, and safe Thanksgiving holiday. Trey, as always, it's been a pleasure talking about some baseball, the offseason news, and we'll do it again next week. See if there's any more news to talk about. Sounds good to me. For Trey Lyle, I'm Matthew Atkins. This has been another episode of Foul Ball Area. We hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.